Hello, this is Shannon Lynn, and you're listening to the Dialed In Podcast. Prana, the vital force within. Today we are going to talk about prana. We will also touch on pranayama and pranavidya, and I'll dive a little deeper into both. So welcome to today's episode of the Dialed In Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Lynn. Prana and pranayama, in my opinion, and the opinion of many others, are heavily misunderstood by the Western world and have become household names like meditation and asana, when in actuality they are such vast and deep systems rooted in tantra that can be explored beyond what one could even conceive. I've been personally practicing pranayama for over 15 years now and pranavidya for quite a few. As an energy worker, we work with prana, life force, chi, and I've been engulfed in the realm of that healing work for a very long time. So I'm very excited to talk today about prana, the life force energy. Pranavidya literally means the science of the life force and has been a part of every spiritual tradition since the beginning of time. References can be found in the Upanishads dating back to 500 BC. Now pranayama, the science of the universal energy as well, but universal mind, time, space, manner, and breath. So the practices of pranayama have been known in India for over 4,000 years and probably even longer. It's been mentioned in many of the main texts of yoga, including the Upanishads, the Gita, the Hatha Yoga Pradikapa, so many others. And it has said that prior to being written down, these practices were passed on through oral tradition. When the Vedic culture had declined with advent of Buddhism, many yogic practices were being lost or misapplied, hence the authors of the text sought to restore the purity and authenticity of the practices. Now, through the yogic renaissance that has come forth in the past few decades, asana, meditation, pranayama, like I've mentioned, have become household names. However, the real depth of these practices remains unexplored for most practitioners. When we look at both pranayama and pranavidya, pranayama has a more or less standard methodology, which we will touch on today. The scope of pranavidya is much wider. For example, the tantric tradition evolved its own system of awakening energy using the chakras, nadis, and energy channels. Both pranayama and pranavidya require various practices to prepare and maintain the body, mind, and pranas, especially pranavidya, and should only be attempted under the guidance of a guru or a very experienced yogic master who really understands the system. Pranavidya is a very subtle yet powerful practice that requires patience, (laughs) intense preparation, and refined perception. It begins with techniques that awaken the prana lying dormant within the pranic body. So the word prana is used often in yoga, but it is not well understood by the majority of people. Many people new to yoga assume that it's not anything more than the control of breath. This is partially true as breath is modified 
during and through the practice of pranayama. However, there's so much more to it. So prana can be defined as vital or bioenergy. And this vital force not only sustains the body, but also creation at every level. If prana were withdrawn from the universe, there would be total disintegration. All beings, living, non-living, exist due to prana. It is said that this whole world, whatever there is, vibrated having originated from prana. One continues to live as long as the pranas are active, even if one stops breathing. The Hatha Yoga Pradikabha states, as long as the Vayu prana remains in the body, there is life. Death occurs when the Vayu leaves the body, therefore retain the Vayu. <laughs> Makes sense. Scientific research describes prana as a complex multi-dimensional energy, a combination of electrical, magnetic, electromagnetic, photonics, ocular, thermal, and mental energies. Prana also exists in the insentient world, causing motion, growth, and decay. In the individual being, prana pervades the entire being, projecting itself in what the yogis called pranamaya kosha, a level of existence subtler than the physical. The existence of this field has been proven through modern science as well. Prana flows through what are called nadis, energy channels, and are stored in chakras, which are energy vortexes. According to some researchers, the electromagnetic energy in prana gives rise to radiation in which the waves of electric energy and magnetic energy are at 90 degrees to each other, resulting in what looks like a spiral. So everyone is born with a certain quantum of prana, but the quantity and quality change continuously as one goes through life. Positive thoughts, higher feelings, and yogic practices generate higher levels of prana. Prana flows within and around the body, keeping every system, organ, and cell of the body alive and active. The physical body works ceaselessly to maintain a state of balance or homeostasis, sustained and supported by prana. Thus, maintaining the integrity of prana requires constant care and attention. When there is vitality in the pranic body, the whole body and mind remain vitalized and nourished, and homeostasis is supported. On the other hand, when energy is depleted, the body and mind are affected and imbalance occurs. It is explained in the texts that imbalanced prana leads to physical disease. If prana is blocked, depleted, or excessive, disease results. The understanding of the nature of prana and the holistic approach in relation to healing the physical body can be found in many ancient civilizations. For example, traditional oriental medicine is one healing system that reflects a thorough understanding of the pranic body and its interconnectedness with the physical body. Pranic healing the science and art of healing with energy is another healing system. It has been used for millennia. Originally, pranic healing was only known and practiced by a chosen few, which would be the yogis, shamans, medicine men, traditional healers, etc. The knowledge and art 
was transmitted directly from master to disciple, often involving a series of initiations or energy transmissions. And in the late 70s, pranic healing was extensively researched in the countries of the USSR, Bulgaria, and Yugoslavia. And much of the research is documented in the book called Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain. It is well known in India, Tibet, and China that pranic healers are an integral part of the medical system and profession. Pranic healing is called by many names, pranavidya, qigong, psychic healing, reiki, therapeutic touch, laying on of hands, magnetic healing, faith healing, charismatic healing, just to name a few. There's many. And each system has its own unique technique that has evolved from the culture and philosophy that supports it. So all of these healers, just to clarify, are channels of expression through which the natural forces and energies flow. So at the material level, one also receives prana from the environment, food, water, sun, and air. All elements are comprised of prana. So the quantum of prana within each individual is influenced by the quality of elements to which one is exposed and one ingests in the course of everyday life. I put emphasis on ingests. (laughs) The Gita refers to the quality of prana in different foods by categorizing them into different levels. And those levels are known as sattvic, rajas, and tamasic. In recent times, a method was developed by Andre Simonton in France for establishing the pranic value of food, finding that fruits, fresh vegetables, whole grains, olive oil, ocean fish, and shellfish having the highest pranic values. Foods with the lowest values are basically no life force, were margarine conserves, alcoholic spirits, refined white sugar, and bleached flour. And then just a little bit better than that, but still quite low in prana, were cooked meats, coffee, tea, chocolate, jams, processed cheeses, and white bread. In regards to the element of air, the quality of air one breathes affects one's energy level directly. The acceleration and vitality experienced near a waterfall or high in the mountains is because of the quantum of prana and energy in the air is significantly higher in these places. On the other hand, when one is exposed to air pollution or recycled air, the energy level quickly begins to decline. Science has explained this phenomenon in terms of ions, charged particles in the air that are formed when enough energy acts on a gaseous molecule to eject an electron. Ions may be positive or negative, and when one inhales negative ions, they increase the level of prana in the body. The opposite effect is experienced upon inhaling positive ions. Inside a closed room in a modern city, there may be less than 50 negative ions per square foot, whereas in the mountains, there are about 5,000. Negative ions are therapeutic partly because they kill germs. In humans, they act on the capacity to absorb oxygen, excelling the blood's delivery of oxygen to cells and tissues. 
negative ions are not prana, but when one inhales them, the level of prana in the body increases. Negative ions work only as long as they're being inhaled, and the ability to assimilate them goes up during yogic practices such as pranayama. Aside from external sources, prana is also self-generated and its quality can be refined and directed. One can work with one's own prana to enhance vitality, will, and strength, cure diseases, boost capability and efficiency, and evolve to a higher state of consciousness. As one works with prana and its quantum and the quality improves, the dormant areas of the brain awaken. Normally one-tenth of the human brain is active and the other nine-tenths are inactive. Prana is the medium through which matter and mind are linked to consciousness. Without this medium, consciousness could not express itself in the external world through the mind. In the Hatha Yoga Pradikapa, it says when prana moves, chitta, consciousness moves. When prana is without movement, chitta is without movement. Therefore, the control of the flow of prana helps to control the mind and the aim of pranayama is control over the flow of prana, which is intimately related to the breathing process. The relationship between the breath and prana is so close that any manipulation of the breath will automatically cause the manipulation of prana. The main effects of pranayama manifest in the nervous system and in the subtle psychic energy body and the control of breath is only the means of manipulating these finer processes so according to science the gray matter of the brain changes during the natural course of human evolution this process is hastened throughout the practice of pranayama and one is able to evolve beyond the natural evolutionary cycle the benefits of such are an event too numerous to describe, but can only be realized by self-investigation into yoga. Breathing normally functions unconsciously, but one has the capacity to breathe consciously. Unconscious breathing is controlled by the medulla oblongata in the brainstem, a region known as the primitive brain, while conscious breathing comes from more evolved areas of the brain in the cerebral cortex. In fact, conscious breathing engages the cerebral cortex and stimulates the more evolved areas of the brain. And the regular practice of pranayama over a period of time reinforces the cortical control of the breath. The individual prana within each being is a part of the cosmic sea, but until this truth is realized experientially, one sees itself as separate from the rest of the universe. Pranayama practices activate the individual prana and raise it to a higher frequency. When prana sadhana assumes an even higher level, the amount of heat generated in the system becomes more intense. This leads the chakras to monitor a message to muladhara, the root chakra, which is the abode of kundalini, where the kundalini resides, and where the cosmic prana lies dormant. This force is stirred and the awakening of the great prana takes place. When the full potential of this energy is realized, it travels up through Shishumanadi, 
bringing about complete metamorphosis of the individual. In awakening kundalini, one unites with the cosmic prana. At the time of the awakening, the two forces of prana and chitta assume perfect balance with the individual and become one. There is an explosion, a moment of truth when one sees everything as luminous. One experiences oneself in every object of the universe, every person, every leaf, every rock. The realization of cosmic prana is attained and the experience of separation dissolves. The ultimate yoga is experienced at this level where one discovers the abiding consciousness, Satchit Ananda, truth, expansiveness, and beautitude. The science of yoga is itself the science of life energy, and pranayama is the most direct method which has yet to been found to adjust the energy flow within the human being, pranayama and pranavidya. Every yogic science, mantra, concentration, meditation is aimed at awakening and, and enhancing this vital force. And pranayama is not a standalone practice in the system of Ashtanga yoga. It is preceded by sustained practice of the yamas and niyamas, shatkarmas and asanas, and is followed by pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. A balanced sequential movement from the gross to the subtle. The science of pranayama was developed by highly evolved yogis through an intuitive and experiential understanding of prana and its influence on the human mechanism at various levels. Pranayama prepares the practitioner's body and mind for the safe and successful practice of meditation as it serves as a system for introverting the mind prior to sitting for meditation. Hence, anyone serious about attaining success in meditation should master the techniques of pranayama first. In this context, the aim of pranayama is to perfect pratyahara, which in the traditional text has been described not just as sense withdrawal, but the state where we perceive every sensory input as a manifestation of the supreme and have expanded the pranic capacity to the extent that we can retain the breath. The practice of yoga, in fact, begins when we come to the pranayama series. With the practice of asanas, we arrive at the state where we are able to work with the energies controlling the body. With pranayama, through the breath, we develop awareness of the subtle force within the body and directing the mind to become aware of the subtle activities is the beginning of yoga. Pranayama is very powerful and persons with any physical imbalance should never attempt it without expert guidance. This goes for those who are aged or have coronary ailments. Additionally, if any irregular effects are noticed after one has started, then the practice should be immediately stopped and expert guidance sought. The techniques also must be learned very slowly and gradually. Development of Nadi Shodana is meant to take place over a long period of time. The breath being the medium of pranayama, the system based on the three stages of respiration, inhalation, retention, and exhalation, technically speaking, pranayama is actually only retention. 
In the Yoga Sutras, it states, Pranayama is the pause and movement of inhalation and exhalation when this is secured. So inhalation and exhalation are methods of inducing retention. Retention is the key because it allows a longer period of the assimilation of prana, just as it allows more time for the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the cells. In their initial stages, the practices of pranayama clear up the nadis, which are energy pathways in the body. The scriptures say that there are over 72 thousand nadis and when i mentioned shishuma earlier that was one of the main nadis however in individuals many of these pathways are blocked and the chakras release energy only partially hence we do not utilize our full potential in terms of energy mind and consciousness and the negative conditions we experience whether physical or mental are the cause as well as the consequence of these blockages the state of our nadis and chakras are defined by our samskaras, which are conditionings carried in seed form. And with the practice of pranayama, these pathways of energy are gradually freed so that prana moves through them smoothly. So the Sanskrit word prana is a combination of two syllables, pra and na, and denotes constancy, a force in constant motion. There are five keys that are used to unlock the subtle expression and experience of prana. So these keys are psychic breath, psychic passage, psychic centers, psychic sound, and psychic symbol. So the breath is the first key to pranic awareness. Psychic breathing is the integration of awareness with this physical breath. The experience of breath can be both gross and subtle. The breath moves through the nostrils approximately 15 times per minute, 900 times per hour, and 21,600 times every day, whether one is aware of it or not. In the initial stages of psychic breathing, the only requirement is awareness of the natural breath without trying to affect the pattern of the breathing cycle. Once this is achieved, the movement of breath is experienced in the form of Ujjayi Pranayama. As the practice of Ujjayi Pranayama develops Ujjayi, one begins to move the prana. The first manifestation of Mahaprana is the prana located in the chest. The first physiological experience that arises from the movement and awakening of the prana is in the form of a stream of white light or as a sort of tickling or burning sensation in the throat, chest, and lungs. However, as the concentration becomes deeper and more intense, one experiences prana more acutely and the experience changes. Psychic passage refers to any pathway in the body through which awareness, breath, and prana are directed in one stream of combined force. For the purpose of awakening prana, several important psychic passages must be purified and opened before one moves deeper into the practices. The third key to awareness of prana is the psychic centers or chakras. According to the science of prana, prana is generated at muladhara, which is the root chakra, and stored in manapura, 
which is our third chakra, it is then purified at Vishuddhi and distributed from Agna Chakra. The fourth key is psychic sound. According to yoga, sound manifests within the individual consciousness as well as outside. In order to develop the awareness of psychic sound, one must withdraw the auditory perception so that external sounds are no longer heard. When the attention is completely withdrawn to the center of the head, one develops the awareness of Chin Akasha, which is the psychic space within the head. An intrinsic relationship between sound and prana underlies all creation, with the first movement of cosmic energy, the first sound manifested, and that was Om. This transcendental sound is also called Nada, the highest level of sound vibration. In the Bible, it has also been said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In order to become manifest, the unmanifest and indivisible has to take on form. The first form was sound, and it came into existence through the medium or energy of prana. Due to the close relationship between prana and nada in the process of creation, sound is one of the best vehicles for the transmission of prana shakti at the microcosmic level. Therefore, mantras, sounds containing psychic force, are often used in the science of prana. We will do a whole other podcast on mantras. The fifth key is the psychic symbol, which is experienced through the practice of concentration. So there is so much more that we could go into in regards to prana, such as the panchakosha, uh, the vital she's, which include the five dimensions of existence that we are capable of experiencing as humans, the chakras are energy vortexes in which the pranic body is fueled by, and our subtle high-powered vortices that receive and store the cosmic prana. They're extremely important and they act as transformers so that the prana can be used by the different organs and all parts of the body. So that's something we can go deeper into in another episode and um, this energy this prana it flows through which we've mentioned are called nadis um, and channels and as i've mentioned various texts refer to there being over seventy-two thousand of them so all of the above are areas that we can definitely dive deeper into in other podcasts there is so much to explore so just to finish off, I'll mention the main classical pranayamas are nine, and some of the made ones that you might have heard of are Nadi Shodana, Bastrika, Kapalabhati, you've probably heard of Ujjayi breathing, um, so there are nine in total, and some of these pranayamas increase heat, and some cool down the body, some stimulate, while others harmonize and relax the nervous system so they all do different things to the body and again when learning pranayama you want to make sure that you do learn under an experienced teacher so this is a very short introduction to prana and pranayama there's so much more to it and to finish off this episode i thought we would conclude with a conscious breathing exercise 
So we're going to start this right away if you would like to tune in on that. If you do like some more information and want some more information on prana, pranayama, pranavidya, I do have a course on my website on insight-global.ca. You're welcome to check it out. And it's a very basic way to just start working with your prana and it gives a lot of information about what prana is and goes into it a little bit deeper. So feel free to check that out. I'll put a link in the episode notes as well. So let's get ready for our conscious breathing exercise. So you'll want to sit comfortably or lie in Shavasana for a few minutes. This will take about five minutes. Just become aware of the natural breath. Don't try to change the breathing pattern. Just become aware of the natural incoming and outgoing breath. Observe this natural process, a process that has been occurring throughout your whole life. We breathe continuously, however, are rarely aware of one breath. So be aware now of each and every breath. Again, do not interfere with the natural rhythm. Just simply witness the in-breath and the out-breath. Become increasingly conscious of the breath. Then let yourself relax into its continual smooth ebb and flow. Come closer to the breath and observe how it's flowing. Is it fast or slow? Shallow or deep? Regular? or irregular? Is there any gap between the breaths? Do you feel like you're gasping for breath? Again, do not interfere with the natural rhythm or try to control the breath in any way. Simply witness. Keep your awareness on each and every inhalation and exhalation. Say to yourself mentally, I am aware that I am breathing in. I am aware that I am breathing out. And continue in this way. Now count your breath backwards from 11 to 0. Mentally say, I am aware that I am breathing in. I am aware that I am breathing out 11. 
I am aware that I am breathing in. I am aware that I am breathing out 10 and so on. Continue this way all the way to zero. And if you lose count at any point, begin again at 11. The goal isn't to reach zero, but to keep your awareness on every breath. Each number must register in your conscious awareness. Awareness of the breath allows you to relax. But when you lose awareness, there is tension. When you reach zero, end the practice. Leave the awareness of breath and come back to the body. Counting down with each breath. Coming back now to the body. Gradually extrovert the awareness. And when you feel ready, you can slowly open your eyes. So as you can see, pranayama and prana are vast subjects. That is why, again, it is so important to have a qualified teacher. One who has learned not only the methodology from a qualified source, but also learned by experience and uses pranayama and pranavidya on a regular basis. On this topic, we also have asanas to sit during pranayama, mudras, bandhas, preparation, stomach condition, and so much more to consider. So I'm so happy that you were able to join us today for the Dialed In podcast on our solo cast episode on prana and pranayama. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, feel free to get in touch with me. And as a reminder, there's also the course on insight-global.ca that you can access for more information as well. Before we close, I just want to say a very special thank you to all of the yogis, sages, the ancient civilizations, secret societies who have preserved these techniques and let them be passed down through the generations so that we're able to access them today for our rebalancing and our rehealing and of course most importantly our evolution of consciousness a special thank you to swami sachananda saraswati from bahar school of yoga for his compilations of information and and this amazing knowledge that he passes down and of course special thanks to my own guru Sadhguru, who i've learned so much from and i'm so grateful for his grace 
and uh, definitely would not be where I am today in my evolution if it wasn't for his tools and techniques. So thank you to all of the wonderful people out there who preserve this information and share it and uh, pass it down. Stay safe out there. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Dialed In Podcast. This is your host, Shannon Lynn. Namaste.